Hey, what's up, First Issue Club listeners? This week, we're covering Chastity on Dynamite and King Thor on Marvel. Well, you've made it. The First Issue Club podcast. This is a podcast where we read number ones exclusively. In fact, we like to call ourselves the podcast for the weirdos, the outcasts, the misfits, the miscreants, the the deadbeats, the losers. If you just don't fit in, you found yourself. Don't you forget about me. He was First on a roll. Issue club. No, that's good. I, I wanted. Think I if you hadn't chimed in with here. music, we would have listened to like a thirty-minute monologue on weirdos. <laughs> yep. This comment. This uh... for the weirdos, the sluts, the <laughs> bastards, the health goths, the nerds. It's like the beginning of that good Charlotte song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So this is yeah. This podcast is like listening to Good Charlotte. So. We, but in a good way. Actually, good Charlotte. Yeah, slaps. exactly. Yeah, I love, I they like have good the, they have what they are in their name. Good uh, <laughs> and Charlotte's. <laughs> and so yeah, we're a comic book podcast, and that's what we do. We're gonna get in the books in a minute, but let's talk about some news hits uh, today. Very sadly, Daniel Johnston died. You guys know who Daniel Johnston is? Yes, I do. Loosely, um, I'll give you a little bit of like history of who he was. Okay, without trying to be, um, I don't know. What's that called? A fanboy? No, like a, an idiot. Yeah, a fanboy. That's a good one. Uh, so, okay. Daniel Johnson's from Austin, and he gets called an outside artist. That term is uh, political in some ways because it, it means... It, it's I a think we- it's been bastardized a little yeah, bit as well. It's a weird thing to say. What it normally means is that you have some type of mental illness or um, incapacity that causes you to make art that wouldn't be accessible to somebody who, quote unquote, has a full on mental capacity. What's the term? Outside artist. Okay, so really? yeah, outsider artist is someone who isn't classically trained or takes like formal art classes. Very condescending. And can be also. Could be. Kind yeah. of, yeah. And can also be tied to um, a mental ailment or uh, disability or a physical mental or disability. But really? they still, yeah. A lot of like art therapy people um, that have like some sort of uh, are living with autism or uh-huh. some kind of other um, ailment with the brain, they're tied to outsider art because it's uh, it's very visceral and like raw drawings that they do. Okay. And uh, rich people love it. And there's like a famous guy that did like all these like naked children from Chicago that he would like cover. He was lived in Chicago and he would like cover like Bibles with just they found it after he died. Hmm. Uh-huh. There's a Netflix documentary on him. There's tons of other things like this. Actually, one of the guys that did like all the talking heads art, he was a preacher in Georgia. Yeah. Howard, Fi- Howard Finster. There we go. Yep. Yeah. Um, I'd never heard that term before. So maybe less condescending than it sounds. Yeah, exactly. It's, it, but it's it's backhanded. It's a weird thing. Kind so, of, because, yeah. Because he's just, I think the thing is, is he's just an artist, right? Right. But, um, so if you want to know any, everything about Daniel Johnson, beautiful, one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. Oh, I love um, this Called The Devil and D- Daniel Johnson. Used to be free on Netflix. I don't know if it is anymore. Or on Netflix. You pay for Netflix. Um, and then, so, <laughs> uh, but anyway, so Daniel Johnson, he was, um, he's making just like kind of, chord progressions on his guitar and he just like he essentially just does like weirdo poetry that's like epically dark epically like self-revealing and all of his songs have this like folk appeal to them Um, Kurt Cobain 
wears one of his shirts. He's um, you've probably seen it. It's like a frog with two eyes that point out. And it says how high how, how hi how are you? Yeah. It's also painted all over Austin and everywhere. Sonic Youth kind of gets into it. Tom Waits gets into it. All of these people who are like icons are pointing to this guy and being like, "Hey, he's awesome." So he takes on his own like uh, stardom because of that. And like, and this documentary charts this like whole life that he has. Um, but he plays a bunch of like different shows and like is playing these songs that like have like true passion, like emotional evocativeness. They're just like the most visceral like kind of songs you will ever hear. But they're also just like so simple. And he's so earnest about it. It's not goofy. And you can tell that it's not goofy. Like, um, anyway. He's very sincere about it. Mm. Yeah. And I think he, I think he hit, uh, battles with, like, schizophrenia. Okay. Um, but the documentary that uh, Budget King is talking about, since, like, the age of, like, 11, he videotaped his entire life. Oh, my God. So he has, like, they had, like, this incredible back catalog of just Daniel growing up and just kind of, like, his parents said that like he was like this normal kid, quote unquote normal kid, and then one day it just kind of flipped, huh. and he became who he is now. So, um, and some more of his artwork is like he gets obsessed with a lot of like characters, um, Captain America, I think Snoopy, I think Donald Duck, yeah, uh, and like a lot of like zeitgeist uh, people that we see like uh, uh, like. Disney characters, Marvel characters, mm-hmm. like he he loves comic books. Also he obsessed with the Beatles. Comic books. So yeah, so fast forward. Um, I helped start a festival in my town, and the first um, brag. <laughs> yes, hu- not even humble brag. <laughs> uh, the the first one that we had, we were like trying to get some national acts, and we were like me and my friend we were like huge Daniel Johnson fans. We we're like he lives in Austin, he could drive up seemingly for the yeah. show. You want to come play? He did. We got, like, that festival got on Pitchfork because of that, or got covered by that, and, like, it was like, hey, Daniel Johnson's actually playing a show in the Midwest. He came and he played with a band that was a friend of mine, because that's his thing, is he likes to play, he wants to have a backing band. He kind of fancies himself like the Beatles in some ways. Sure. Um, and so that day, he you know, he played with um, my friends, and, and it was, like, one of the most amazing shows. He also, before he, I guess, his brother would take him any, anywhere to his shows, he would find the co- closest comic book shop next to the venue and just spend a shit ton of money. Uh-huh. Um, he went to uh, Bebop Comics, um, I think is what it was called. Yeah. While, it, while it was still in Kansas City. Yeah, yeah, and and yeah, right by um, where it was, and he spent 600 bucks. Oh my gosh. That's wow. a fucking dream. Yeah. Ooh, I would love that. And just dropped 600 bucks, went and ate a bunch of cheeseburgers, spilled mustard on his shirt, giant mustard stain, the whole fucking day in sweats and a mustard stain shirt plays like the show of a lifetime, um, <laughs> and like and then you know goes home yeah. with six hundred bucks worth of comics. I was at that show. You were okay, cool. It yeah. was incredible. I'm a big Daniel Johnson fan, just like you. And to be, I was like third row. That's awesome. I was like, I could have shouted at him, and he could have been like, "Hi, Greg," <laughs> and that's how fucking close I was. And yeah, Kevin uh, Barrow, yeah, was the backup band. They did a great job. He couldn't hear what their name was. He uh-huh. goes. He goes. What's your name? And he, the lead singer goes. Oh, we're Capybara. Hi, this is uh, Campy Borrowed. <laughs> and he just has no shame. He didn't no, care. He didn't he correct did, him. He, nothing. He did two originals that were over. Had to be over ten minutes long. <laughs> yeah, there were some parts. 
<laughs> How does the backing band work? Because they don't know his music, do they? Oh, so there is a bunch of body of work that they did know. When he would play his like new songs, that was just Tim jamming. But okay. All of his other stuff, they the backing band just learned. They knew the songs already. Yeah, they're not yeah, hard to bands. learn. You probably could learn them in an afternoon. Okay. They're really simple chords and. Nothing well, too difficult. I've always known of him loosely, but you guys talking about how much you love him is really making me uh, bummed that I missed an opportunity to like see this guy live. Sounds like a real character. Yeah. yeah. He's been referenced in other comic books as well. Mm-hmm. I think especially when that documentary came out, like I think a lot of people, as like a nod to him, would kind of Went just... out and bought his th- stuff? Did Yeah, they did that, and then like they put little references to him in their comic oh, books. I get you. Yeah. I almost... I was this close to buying an original piece from him at that show for like a hundred bucks and this was like when I was twenty one and a hundred bucks was so uh, like money. a month worth yeah. so month worth of money. I almost mm-hmm. did the same thing and I didn't do it. And I kick myself daily for not yeah, doing that. That'd be pretty cool. And it's it, his stuff is crazy. It looks really good. Yeah it's like it's almost like like chi- child friendly grotesque images of like your <laughs> favorite superheroes Talking to the devil? Yeah. There's a lot of, like, devil talk, angel talk. Like, yeah. it's it's very... Uh, another, like, story about him. He his, I guess his dad is a pilot. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and they were flying, and he got a... I don't know. Ma- he entered mania of yeah. sorts and thought he was, like, Snoopy and decides, like, he wants to... He's going to fly the plane. So Daniel gets into the cockpit and, like, essentially crashes the plane. Yeah. With him, with him and his father. Oh, and he thought, yeah. like, the... He, I think he also thought the devil had taken control of his father. Oh, is that what it was? Okay. And so he was like, I need to kill the devil. And his dad's like, what the fuck is it? Like, not now, Daniel. And they crashed. Yeah, they both wow. lived. They both lived. Yeah. So rest in peace, Daniel. Yep. Uh, age 58. You were a tortured soul, but you inspired many. So thank you for that. Yeah. He truly just made life what he wanted it to be. He bent it to its fucking to his fucking will. Yeah, it did. That's, isn't that weird? Like the most genius people of our times are also the most, most, the most like tormented. tortured and tormented and just they can never. Maybe they understand life too well, and they just it just breaks them. Yeah, I don't know. I you hear that a lot about comedians that it's like the more tortured you were growing up, mm-hmm. how awful your existence was turns you into like. A genius who can like observe things and and provide commentary on things like nobody else can. Yeah. And some people really prescribe to that idea that you have to be a tortured soul to be yeah. a creative person, and then other people think that's all horseshit. You know what I mean? But there's something to be said about how many of like my heroes had traumatic experiences when they were younger or really embattled childhoods. Um, there's something there. There was a, I think I told you guys about this before, but like Howard Stern was interviewing uh, Stephen Colbert. Oh, and, yes. I know what the interview you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. And so they're talking and then um, they're talking about their families. And I'm not exactly sure what fucked up thing Howard Stern's family had, but his mom was left kind of around and was sad. And Stephen Colbert's father died at an early young age. And Howard Stern is like, you know, I think we both got into comedy because we were just constantly having to cheer up sad moms. And Stephen uh, Colbert like breaks down. He cries. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, that's so true. Yeah. Um, and it's like, yeah, I mean, say what you will about Howard Stern. I think he's somewhat of a smart guy 
like mm-hmm. in, in comedy and stuff. He's and, cooled off a lot lately, and he's become way more self aware and open with. I kind of grew like up, trauma. I grew and, up with him a little bit, yeah. so I like I kind of have a soft spot for him. Right. But I get why he's like a weird shock rocker. Yep. Um, but then Stephen Colbert, obviously a genius, and I think like yeah, just a product of trauma. Mm-hmm. So, Greg, you're next in the genius. Yeah, I mean, uh, cool. I I watched that interview with Howard Stern and uh, Stephen Colbert, and he also did one with Anderson Cooper, and like because Anderson Cooper also lost his father when he was young mm-hmm. and like to see these people kind of like share in the moments that i've had as well you're just like it kind of helps you process you're like oh fuck like i do do that and like that's kind of why i do that like i i i said this to mike but i i you literally are the funniest person i know like, <laughs> like hands down and i was like I, like weird commonality though yeah i, mean, I well and like it is crazy because i uh thank you both i don't i mean i don't think i'm the funniest person you guys know but i appreciate the the compliment but uh your mom thinks you're hilarious, right? And that's why I I wanted to cheer up my mom and my little brother. Like, mm-hmm. it it sucks. Like being that young, losing mm-hmm. someone is it, you can't describe it. It just leaves a just a gaping hole. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm I, I am very happy I found comedy to help myself and my family. So, yeah, like when t- hearing people talk about that stuff, you're just like, fuck. Like, mm-hmm. it's this weird like war war battle friends you like kind of get with someone you don't even know you're just like man i've been through that and like i empathize and sympathize with you like immediately yeah Hmm. so let's get into some comics guys (laughs) holy moly (laughs) oh boy heavy one yeah that's a good news hit though yeah all right let's get this podcast started I'm not, oh. I'm not just gonna go in and like stream on the website on my phone. I need it to be on an app. Well, there, download the app. The, there's a Patreon app. I showed you. Oh no, I showed you. You showed me. There's Patreon app. I'll show you after the show. Okay, cool. Well, that's a great plug. So uh, there's an there's an app for Patreon. <laughs> there's and, an app uh, called Patreon, and what we, Patreon is. <laughs> and uh, we put uh, behind a paywall. We put a lot of uh, stuff there. If you want, if you like more of this, you can get it. And you can get it on an app on your phone so your motherfucking Tesla can Bluetooth it all the way while you drop your kitties off to school every day. Yeah, that was one thing I was nervous about when I started listening to Patreon podcasts was, uh, do I have to go? Not being able to sync to your Tesla. Yeah, I've got a Tesla and it's a bitch to get stuff to sync to it. Oof. Um, The tablet in it is always... (laughs) <laughs> there is a Busted tablet, I think, chops. right, yeah. It's like a fucking 30-inch TV is, like, in the console. It's so stupid. You think when you buy a Tesla, they give you Elon Musk's email? Just like, well, you've earned it. <laughs> and Grimes. <laughs> and Grimes. Are they still together? I don't think so, but maybe. Yeah. Uh, One can dream. Yeah. yeah. I'd rather have Grimes' email than Elon Musk. <laughs> um, <laughs> Not me. Oh, really? <laughs> Grimes is like a flash in the pan. People are not going to remember her in, like, a year. She's been around for like five years. Yeah, though. she's been around a minute. That's fine. Elon Musk is here to stay, baby. <laughs> well, that's because he's an android. He's like a roach. Um, what? What was I saying? Oh, <laughs> amazing that you can get the Patreon in your other podcasting streaming apps. They give you like an RSS feed, so it's easy to use from like Apple, yeah, podcasts and stuff too. Mm-hmm. So, technology, baby, worth mentioning. 
Yeah. So if you want more of this, uh, what you're listening to now, but about other stuff besides first issues, <laughs> check out the Patreon. We have a ton of episodes now. It's Yeah. The Patreon is one of the words of our podcast. It's a club. But it may not be first issues. An even more exclusive club. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, so... I'm sending, we're sending uh, care packages to everybody in the Patreon, and one of the things they're getting is a sticker that says official club member. So put it on something important, because Mm -hmm. that's your badge. Yeah, show it off, baby. Yep. You got one one sticker use. Well, and you also get a sticker of uh, Wolverine's micro penis. Mm -hmm. Surprise. (laughs) Limited edition. Mm -hmm. These won't be printed again, folks. No, I don't think we're going to print these a second time. Kinko's specifically said (laughs) these will not be printed again. Uh, Just leave. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, everyone gets to the club, but if you want to get VIP, hit that Patreon. First up, we have <laughs> King Thor by Aaron and Ribic. So if you've been reading Marvel, you've been noticing that uh, a lot of shit's been going on with Thor, specifically from Jason Aaron. We got War of the Realms. We had his God Butcher uh, story arc going on. And all of this is culminating right now into King Thor. This is where it all ends. This is, this is Jason's Aaron. Jaren, Jesus Christ. Jaren Saren. <laughs> this is Jason Aaron's swan song to his Thor series. Is he walking away from Thor after this? I don't know. He's not returning my calls, but <laughs> I feel like I feel like he's uh, done with Thor. Has Thor mainline ended? No. So he may be doing that. He may have some couple issues with that written, but this is like. And who's writing Loki? Uh, Kibble Smith. Oh, okay, okay, cool. In I mean, any case, this is the conclusion of like a seven-year arc. Yeah. This is the end. The, yeah. It started with the God Butcher, and it's ending with the God Butcher. Yeah, essentially. Right. Yeah, we all knew this moment was coming. Yep. It's finally here. I'm personally not ready to see it go. I thought what Jason Aaron has done for this character specifically has been nothing short of masterful. He has turned Thor into a, a really a front runner for one of the best superheroes of the last 10 years. You know what I really love about this the most is that they didn't call it Old Man Thor. That is such a good point. One hundred percent, his entry in the old maniverse. That is the hottest take I've ever heard. That is that is such a great point. I love it. I was a little bit. I fell off a little bit of War of the Realms, so I was surprised to find out that Thor was mad old in this. Oh, he's mad. What do you think about the time jump? I think it's fine. We got a little taste of it in. Uh, the Thor series that started in 2018 with yeah. those end vignettes. Yes. So we kind of got a little bit of a taste of, oh, so Thor lives for a very, very long time. Right. Um, I like it because I feel like it's telling the end of a story, like basically th- the end of Thor, mm-hmm. but leaving a lot of room for the character to grow in between. <laughs> so a lot, oh, of, yeah, a lot yeah. more stories can be told, but like Jason Aaron gets to tell the ending. Yeah. The very, very conclusion, which I think is very cool. Totally. Um, you guys didn't like this book? Well, I think you talking about it right there like made me like it more. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of like Viking dialogue setting like the history of things going mm-hmm. on that like if you aren't a fan or stayed up on this, it would feel a little bit like um kind of like watching like a 
I don't know, Discovery Channel bi- biography or I'll something. I'll say this. If you're not a fan of Thor in general, this probably isn't going to be your cup of tea. Albeit, Jason Aaron is an amazing writer. Ribic is an incredible oh, he's, illustrator. Yeah. yeah. Dude's on top of his game. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't touch him right now. He just released an art book, too. He did. Oh, yeah. did he really? Yeah. yeah. Ooh, shit. I got to get that. Um, so I'll say this. If you're not into, like, the Nordic Thor whatever mythos, you may not like this book. But it did pay off a lot of, like, cool things. I, I'm I'm someone, I loved God Butcher, mm-hmm. and that got me into Thor, and then I've been in and out of it several times over this past seven years. Um, there were certain things like the, what's the, the library planet with, like, yeah. all the information. Oh, the one that got destroyed in this book? <laughs> yeah. So it was cool to see, like, that come back and the end of it mm-hmm. was seemed like such an epic moment because it's always been this big part of um, this story and probably other Thor stories over the past seven years. Like, I've seen him go to this library and talk to the librarian, like, a ton of different times. So uh, that moment felt epic. And I think that's the whole idea is that we've got this really dense, epic, no-holds-barred, nobody's safe, anyone can die. It's literally the end of the story. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, like, I mean, this book was fucking brutal. Thor strangled Loki with his own guts. I'm not talking about Loki's guts. Thor's guts. Thor strangled Loki with Thor's guts. Here's here's maybe that was good. That was that's badass. But here's maybe my problem with it is that it seems like an to use a DC term an Elseworld tale. Really? To me, it does. Okay. We're jumping like three million years in the future. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It yeah, almost yeah. seems like inconsequential to. The other storyline, or it seems like a make up that doesn't necessarily affect the other stuff. Well, to me, but that's it's only the brilliance because, of it. It's only because I've been in and out of it. So right. I think if I would have been, like, a super fan this past seven years, this would be, like, the most rewarding miniseries and, mm-hmm. and kickoff to that miniseries yeah. in a really long time. Like, to see Gore come back at the end of this issue was like, oh, fuck. Like, yeah. even, even that got me. This is the opposite of the last season of Dexter. Okay. Yeah, that's great. Like, th- I feel like this is really going to pay off. The best finale. And, could and be. like, I, I get what you're saying, mm-hmm. Mike. This is kind of, it feels elseworldy. Yep. Because no other superhero is involved that we know of because they're dead. Yep. Uh, because this is taking place, like, eons. Millions from, of years from now. From where we are now. Um, but, like, it's great because not only is Thor and Loki's story coming to an end, but it's also a, the end of the universe. They're, they're alluding to that the universe is basically dying, planets are vacant and exploding, and the universe itself is kind of shrinking into itself. They can't find the other realms, the other eight realms. The right? other nine realms. Yeah. So my one thing with this, everything you just described made me like it more. So great. <laughs> okay. the, just keep talking about the book and I'll keep on liking it. I feel like Marvel never knows where it wants to place Loki. On the scale of like, good or bad? He, he, yeah, good or bad, but like hero driving the story, ultimate evil that we have to stop. Like, and that to me is a little bit kind of like it fucks with me because I just don't know what Loki I'm getting. Like when Loki was Doctor Strange, I fucking loved that Loki. Yeah. Um, and then like, uh, not not to even mention Loki in the MCU, which is like 
a whole other Loki. Mm-hmm. Here you're getting ultimate bad Loki could destroy the whole world, Loki. Well, straight bad. Two points to that. One, I feel like just like kind of his sexuality is fluid, I feel like his um, allegiances to good or bad are also fluid. He's like the trickster god, so he just kind of does whatever he feels in the moment. So if he wants to be good, he'll be good. If he wants to be bad, fuck it, he'll be bad. But over millions of years, I think he's fully committed to evil. Yes, exactly. His pendulum has swayed too far in one direction. That's one thing to take into account, the context of how much time has passed. So that's that's good. That fixes that for me. And also, he's being affected by the Necrosword. Oh. Or the start of the big... It'd be cool if, like, they did have a couple superheroes that make it, like maybe Galactus is around or... Um, well, they did have... That would be cool. They did have in the series for the Thor run, um, the Phoenix Force, if you guys remember this, had chosen Wolverine. And yep. so he shows up as Phoenix Wolverine. Because, like, Wolverine can't die, yeah. really. He can live as long as Thor, potentially. And with the Phoenix Force, he can live longer. And it was just Wolverine and this powerful, like, Phoenix uh, aura, but he's still, like, drinking beer and calling people bub, and mm-hmm. so it was pretty cool. That is cool. But, yeah, I mean, it would be cool to, because we have, like, Thor's granddaughters palling around with him, who he's, like, indoctrined to yep. <laughs> help him solve other mysteries of the world. But, um, yeah, I don't know who else would, like, uh, like, the, anybody that's immortal. I'm just like yeah. Silver Surfer, I guess. The yeah. Watchers, yeah. <laughs> I want to see a Watcher pop up. Um, Thanos. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it would be cool to have like a King Thor little story of just like him telling how everyone kind of dies. Ghost Rider. Yeah, is, is Ghost Rider immortal? Yeah, he can be. Yeah, because right now he's like in hell, mm-hmm. doing that stuff down there. Um, I was very confused by the hey, here's what the next cover is. Because we just, like you mentioned, saw Thor get his guts ripped out Mm -hmm. and Loki get stabbed through the chest. Mm -hmm. Are they both still fighting in the next issue? I think they are. That that was also... (laughs) I think... Does Gore, like, bring them back to life with, like, some null essence just to, like, entertain himself and keep them fighting? It seemed like Loki maybe had more... um, Venomy goop on him mm-hmm. than the sword gave him in this past little bit. Yeah. Or maybe the cover is a little misleading thing just to keep us off the trail of where this book is going to go. Uh, it might be because you know Marvel they, does do that. Well, and Marvel does previews that show all the cover. They make the covers public like months ahead of the yeah. actual issues the being solicits, released. Yeah. And if we we're going to kill Thor in the first or beginning of the second issue, then... That's a huge reveal. So, I mean, I kind of think the rest of the story could potentially be his, the granddaughters fighting uh, Gore. Ooh, I like that. You know what I mean? That could be pretty cool. That yeah. would be really awesome. Yeah. For whatever reason, I think it's because I really love Jason Aaron. I think we all love Jason Aaron. Yeah. Because he's a Kansas City boy. Uh, I just stuck with it, and it really just with me because he, he Jane Foster came out of his runs yeah. and stuff and yeah. we I mean I don't know I'm just gonna gush about him so I'll just end it there but I what if for whatever reason it connected with we me. could we could talk for an hour about how prolific this run was that was King Thor Greg Ligtai gives it two thumbs up 
Next up, we got Chastity on Dynamite Entertainment. Do you guys know they call themselves Dynamite Entertainment and not comics? I actually I'm, did not realize that. Me either. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yep, this is by Leah Williams and Daniel Maine. What's happened in this book, Greg? What do we get? Um, so this is a pre-existing thing, right? This is a pre-existing character. Um, I know fuck all about it, so please excuse me if I get some of this Same. information Same. We, we don't, we have a lot of, uh, fanboys for indie publishers. Mm-hmm. Dynamite is not one I see a lot of, uh, fanboyish on our social. No, and correct me if I'm wrong, they usually do, like, pre-existing, uh, John Wick. Entities? Kiss? Yeah. Like, a lot of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, from what I can gather... Um, this is like a half vampire, half human mix em up where she is a Blade-esque character fighting vampires. And then she is also like a failing actress or wants to be an actress. And she goes to this like, uh, casting call. Blade characters. I I didn't realize that, but that's exactly what she is. It's like a mixture of Blade, Punk Mambo. Buffy. Buffy. And, um... Tank Girl. Tank Girl. No, I wouldn't say Tank Girl. She has a haircut like Tank Girl. Yes, we'll say that. But anyway, she goes to this casting call and is roofied? Yes. And we don't know who roofies her. And she's speculating that it's like, because the vampires are going to suck their blood. Yeah. One thing that I thought was really interesting about that concept was that our hero got bamboozled alongside... A group of other women. That she could be saving, yeah. So we see her as a victim in this first issue, mm-hmm. which, and and roofied, too, which, like, I think is such a statement. I, yeah, that's a, that's a great call. It's like anyone can be a victim. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. However, they hear, they hear, how, however powerful you are, however strong-willed you are, like, you're... Just as susceptible to these like awful things and awful people. Mm-hmm. That was kind of like, and I may be reading into it more than I need to, but that was kind of some messaging I got. Like, yeah, roofies I, are a symbol of just yeah. like gross people and date rape to- culture, date rape and hyper masculine, toxic masculinity, and all this stuff. And to me, it seemed like a, a really cognizant addition to this comic book. Um, and a character who's like really strong-willed and is like out there sexually and and he's trying to go to a casting call for this like uh burlesque show sort of thing mm-hmm. like I don't know. So it if this is this is Leah Williams taking a pre-existing character, she like pokes fun at this character in a lot of like really like um self-aware ways that make it a really funny read. Yeah, okay, so I'm going to be completely honest if we weren't doing this podcast where we cover number one comics i would have sailed over this book yes absolutely but we needed except for a couple things leah williams is really hot doing some great stuff right now oh yeah she's blowing up over on marvel and so like i think when i would read solicitations or like things about this it was like leading with like this is her like indie book Mm -hmm. so i think like maybe would have had us like stumble onto it it did also i mean if we didn't know it was a pre-existing character i would have instantly just put it in my pull list Hmm. actually had to take it out once i found out that it was a pre-existing character but that didn't that all that to say that didn't affect the story at all yeah it just seemed like all the covers had like scantily clad 
women on it. Normally that's a pass for me because I'm like, I know what this comic book is. Yeah. And I'm not interested. Yeah. However, when a woman is writing this book, I'm so interested in the dynamics there that there's a difference between um, this like character that's made for a man to ogle at and when you take those characters and put them under the there's 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 a way for certain characters to be like oversexed or undersexed but done in a way that's like powerful for women still mm-hmm. and it's always interesting to me to see how these characters are treated once they're given ownership by these women creators we we were talking earlier about how Red Sonia kind of experienced the same thing. Like, that was always kind of like a gawk at this scantily clad woman sort of character. She was a hero, but in the same sense, not a lot of other depth there. It was more about these, like, uh, buxom covers mm-hmm. and um, quippy little, like, jokes here and there about her butt. Um, um, put her, put that character with a women led creative team. Amazing comic book. She gets treated more like Conan the Barbarian, which she should have been the whole time. Mm-hmm. Is used to tell stories that are way more dynamic than any Conan the Barbarian story was for like years and years and years. So there's a good movement going on here, and I think this book falls into that. And we got a one of these books that unfortunately a lot of people pass on it because it's got a, a goofball cover. And if you bought it because you're uh, a goofball, a goofball, <laughs> um, I hope I hope you still liked it. Like the the inside of this book wasn't all like um, I'm dressed skimpy and, yeah. and look at me, gaga. Yeah, with this women led team, well, oh, it's a kind of it's a nice all, reversal. If all of us to be like fuck you, I'm not dressing this way for you. I'm dressing this way for me. Yes, it's I I think unfortunate if you do something with this character that's like fuck all my previous history and like all the people who like maybe are fans of this and found some like sincerity in the storytelling. Like it would be a shame for her to be like, Oh, I realized I've been wrong all this time and I've like found God or some shit. Like now she's like, if there's, if there's so many people that are skipping over this and don't know about it, which I haven't seen anybody that knows about this. There's more covers for this than there was John wick. There is easily 20, 20 covers here. Yeah. And oh, let me f- guess, she's only f- wearing a bra and maybe half a pair of pants? Yes. Who the fuck is buying all these covers? Psychopaths. These are two pages <laughs> of covers. Literal psychopaths. No one is this invested in chastity. <laughs> Fucking chastity. I hope this book goes into her just being like this hardcore feminist of just like, fuck you. I, I Here's what I think. Vampires are like uh, a way to illustrate toxic masculinity. And she as a Oh the beacon, predators. Yes. Yeah. And she as a beacon of feminism is taking them out and like that is like a, a way to get neckbeards to understand what feminism is. I one hundred percent read that as this, and if it's not that okay, I'm Isn't imba- that what Buffy is though? Ooh, I don't know. It could be uh written that way. Like if it uh Yeah, I think so. Why not? Leah Williams on Twitter is at my monster is chic. Yes, great handle. Mm-hmm. But 
her actual name on Twitter is Big Titty Zorn. <laughs> <laughs> She's a, she and Teeny Howard hang out a bunch. Do they really? Yeah, and Teeny Howard wrote uh, Forgotten Queen, which I think was also on Dynamite. I liked yeah. Forgotten Queen. And I so, thought that was a Valiant book. It might it have was, been. It was. Yeah. I yeah. just dig it that these that they're also on Marvel, but like get these mm. like crazy little side yeah. uh, books for small publishers, and they kind of just like are sticking it to the comic book typical nerd guy. Yeah. They're just like, oh, you like half-naked women? Well, guess what? She's going to fucking challenge you <laughs> and make you change your mind about some things. I'm excited for, I think it's called Amazing Mary Jane. Yes! They're doing a Mary Jane Watson book, and <sighs> Leah Williams is writing that. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. So that should be good. Are they going to give her powers? Uh-uh. No. She goes to Hollywood. Right. She makes it as an actress. How is that um, superhero comic book then? We'll have to read it and see. We'll I, cover number one, that's for sure. I never said Because if we're going to cover that comic. goddamn book that J.J. Abrams and his son wrote. Oh, God. Fuck Hank we're Williams. We're definitely covering that book. <laughs> Hank, Hank Williams, the Hank, singer? Hank Abrams, I think his name is Hank. <laughs> Who the, like, honestly, I love J.J. Abrams, but fuck you for trying to me, make me, like, like your son. Did you did you watch the video when that thing dropped? No. <sighs> is he, is so he a doofus? Really? The kid, the kid's just like, yeah, so like, uh, what's great about Spider-Man is like the mythos of him as like a young man. I'm just like, bitch, you are 15. You don't know what the fuck you're talking about. God damn it. He's actually 15? Yeah, he's he, he's like 15 or 16. You probably oh, watched one of my YouTube videos man. about Spider-Man and he's just regurgitating my thoughts. Yeah, that's a good point. Totally. <laughs> we should have written this book. <laughs> If you're if you're that famous, this is what J.J. Abrams is doing. He's like, I'm so famous. What's the craziest gift that I could give my child? Yeah, oh, that's what it is. Yeah, I'll have I'll have him write a fucking Marvel book. He doesn't need to write a Marvel book. He was just like, oh fuck, I won't do this. Wait, I do remember that time when Marvel asked me to write a comic yeah. book. Oh, it was Spider Man. Okay, yeah, yeah. Here's what you get, Hank. Here's yeah. what happened. Most- Hank got all A's and made Honor Society, and fucking J.J. was like, God damn it, I made him that promise that if he did this, he could write a comic book. I read it as that 100%. You know how many people would kill to write Spider-Man? Yeah. And have it published by fucking Marvel Comics? Half of the writers on Marvel right now. I think people <laughs> would take out loans like for a million dollars to make that happen. Yeah, how much would you They would pay? sell their Little Caesars <laughs> franchises <laughs> to get that job. It was fine comic book. One thing it did really well was you could read it from start to finish and feel like you got a good story which is a rare thing in comic books now. It was yeah. an action comic that was fun, and it did, a, it did a little more for me with depth than your typical, like, dynamite book. Well, and Leah Williams on Twitter is sex positive. She is um, queer. So, and she's very open about all of this. Mm-hmm. And I think she's going to parlay that into this character in some very interesting ways. I'm down for that. That's so, awesome. what's, I, she, what's she writing that's super hot right now? Gwenpool? Yep. Gwynpool I had no idea. Strikes Back. She also wrote um, Extremists. Yeah. She wrote some, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I dug that one. Yeah. That was the one with um, Psylocke and mm-hmm. Blob or whatever. Yep. Mm-hmm. That was good. Yeah, a lot was, of heart. That one that was one. great. Mm-hmm. Mutants having babies in a reality mm-hmm. they're not supposed mm-hmm. to. I bought a copy of Uncanny One that led up to the whole Age of X-Men thing that was signed by Leah Williams. No shit. Yeah. Cool. Big fan. That's awesome. She cool. 
I thought this book was cool, I, but I stick with it. If I didn't cover first issues for this show, I would have just glazed over this. I would have because too. of the cover. Yep. I mean, but I think the thing that's got me with that is that's a, that's so many books for us though. There's so many books that we're throwing down to the show that's like, oh, it happened. I'm not sure I would have picked it up, but I cover a show that does one first issues. But it, I, okay, it, I get what you're saying. If I I would have picked those other books up. I don't know if I've even want to would have picked this up to flip through it. Okay, that's true. But these mm. keepers be keeping. These uh, keepers be true. keeping. Hey, if you guys know what the fuck Chastity's from, let us know. We don't talk to our audience enough. I think she's in like the evil Ernie universe. She's in the evil Ernie? <laughs> We're reading an evil Ernie book? <laughs> I think this is an evil Ernie thing. Jesus Christ. What, what's evil Ernie? It's like, you don't I don't know even, what evil Ernie it's is. It's like a is evil that? Ernie is like. Uh, kind of like an Iron Maiden character. Like he's yeah. like a zombie dude. Right. He's like a rotting Alice Cooper. He's, yeah. He's like, a, he's an artist. No. No. He's like he's a, character. a character. He's like a he's like a a, a weirdo. He's like a, he's like we, Howard Stern, we can but like this rotting. Out. Is that true? He's fr- okay. I think he's part of like the whole evil Ernie thing. There's a couple other like Babe characters that are part of this like evil Ernie. Storyline and like I don't know I don't know if it's like part of like a band logo or like because <laughs> <laughs> you always see this guy and I'm like what the fuck does he sell Jinko jeans what is this thing is he like that rat Fisk the rat or whatever rat pink yeah there we go rat pink <laughs> <laughs> I just I, a logo I know what evil Ernie is like if it was just his picture that you showed me I go oh that's evil Ernie yeah I can't tell you <laughs> fuck all about, about it. you tell me what rat pink is. Yeah, it's Ed Roth. It's a yes. hot rod thing. Yeah. It's I'll fr- fucking tell you all day about Ratfinger. Yeah, Ratfinger rules. Oh, oh she's, from, she's from the Chaos yes. mythos, mythos, which is relevant because it's the 25th anniversary. I'll give anyone so $1,000 think- <laughs> if they can tell me what the Chaos <laughs> milestone I, is. I think Chaos had a lot of those early babe characters in Evil Ernie that were like, like Dark Child. I don't know that Dark Child was necessarily one of those chaos books, but like in my head, like I associate that character with these these characters. I instantly got so bummed <laughs> when you found out it was Evil Ernie. Is it? Did you find like any confirmation? I of, found like, I'm, the Wikipedia is not loading right now. Okay. The only thing that can say this is if I find out tomorrow that Cinna Grace is writing the new Evil Ernie book. Yeah, I'd be into that. Yeah, I would be fucking into that. Is that how you're going to finish that sentence? Yeah. Okay. Like, I need a complete reversal of what the fuck. Let's have all awesome writers who can write this ship of these god awful characters. Yeah. That would be <laughs> take control dope as of fuck. Them. Yeah. We're, we're heading uh, in a good direction. Tanahasi Cates writes Vampirilla. The, her first appearance is in uh, Evil Ernie Straight to Hell 1995. Fuck, fuck this. Yeah. In the episode. I'm going <laughs> to eBay that right now. What Bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> fucking evil Ernie. <laughs> evil Ernie what? Um oh fuck, I don't hang on. I I hope it's over fifty dollars <laughs> and you have to pay fifty. What's the price? Don't I, tell him. Don't I, tell him yet. What's the I, price you pay for I, that book? Should I decide I wanna buy it before we tell <laughs> yeah. me the price of it? Okay. Um I will buy it for twelve dollars. Okay, 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 yeah, okay. It's called Evil Ernie Straight to Hell number one. Published in October nineteen ninety five. Straight to hell, number one. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm buying it. 
How much is it? How much is it? Six seventeen. Oh, <laughs> such a good investment. What's shipping? What's shipping on that? Free. Oh, God damn it. Hey, okay, so you heard it here first. Uh, first Issue Club is buying the first appearance of Chastity as we speak. Um, <laughs> for we, under $7. We bought it for the low, low price of under $7, so when we're fucking millionaires and buy a Little Caesars, you know where it came from. That is, that's my dream. Brian Polito. That was this guy's name. He did all these, like... What's he a part of? Because, like, I, why am I associating it with, like, a heavy metal band yeah, or something? Ernie Ball? Lady Death. Yeah, Lady Death's in there. Yep. Man, how, how like, in it to a weird thing do you need to be if you're, like, an evil Ernie collector? You probably are into some weird shit. You probably own an iguana. Yeah. You definitely are into... Uh, you probably old an old iguana. Like, you bought it when you were in high school. Yeah. Do you think you, like, are in... You have flame shorts? No. No flame shorts, but you're probably really into prog rock. Okay. And, like... Oh, do you, oh, you have, um... Early what, Deftones. What is it called? Like, lenses? Um, Transition lenses? No, like, cat eye, uh... Um... <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, you probably have long hair. A goatee. Um, kind of know how to play the guitar. Rings on every other finger. You have a haunt that you go to to drink, but it's an Applebee's. And you have a crappy mid-level job at a warehouse. What's your favorite band? Ooh, favorite band is either going to be Megadeth or, like, early, early, early Evanescence. Okay. Well, I I know this person pretty well now. This is good. Okay. Yeah. So any we have any evil Ernie fans out there? Let us know that. Oh boy, we are you buying it right now, Mike? Did you buy it? Uh, and that's a wrap. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I ain't got nothing else to say. I am shocked and bewildered that I read an evil Ernie book. Well, I've got some good news for you, then, Greg. Because I got all of us a copy of Evil Ernie Straight to Hell number one. <laughs> yeah, baby. Yeah. This has been another episode of First Issue Club. We are a proud member of the Fountain City Frequency family of podcasts. Our music is provided by Primary Color Music. We are recorded in KCUR Studios. You can find us, rate us, friend, and follow us on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, email, and your favorite listening platforms at First Issue Club, F-I-R-S-T. No one wears fucking fat Mondo ties anymore <laughs> unless you're like <laughs> Joe Boxer 250 time. pounds. Yeah. And you need a tie proportionate or the fucking president. Or it's a yeah. Halloween costume and you're Abbott and Costello. Yeah. The president's ties from China.